Listening to the flip side with Noah Filipiak, connecting the reality of the gospel to the grit of life. You can support the podcast at patreon.com slash Noah Filipiak or at noahfilipiak.com slash give. What's up, flip eponymouses? Welcome to episode 31 of the flip side podcast. Excited to do the podcast today. I enjoy the podcast. Last episode, episode 30, we talked about George Floyd. Check it out. If you missed it, it was pretty heavy of an episode. Needed. Had to get that off my chest. Today's going to be a little bit lighter. I mean, not too light. We we never want to be too light around here, but a little bit lighter. We definitely will have a Noah's rant at the end of the podcast today. Pretty fired up about this rant, so you're going to want to stay tuned till the end. we got some big news going on. I'm going to announce today on the podcast, and we do have a mailbag that we're going to get to in a little bit. So, the big news. The big news. You heard it here first. Actually, you would have heard it on my blog uh, or social media first because it broke last week, but... I signed a book contract with Zondervan to publish a new book for men on finding our identity in Christ as the way of freedom in an over-sexualized world. This is a big deal, I'm not, but I'm not going to spend a ton of time in today's episode talking about it. My author journey, for some of you have been with me, so to speak, for a long time. Some of you are, are longtime friends, and some of you have been following my blog and and such and podcasts for a long time and I've done other podcast episodes and blogs about the ups and downs of trying to get a book published so my book beyond the battle it was independently published January 2018 uh, which is quite different than traditional publishing uh, which was with a company like Zondervan or whomever So I'm going to talk about that a little bit more. I'm going to be interviewing an author friend of mine, Sarah Arthur, in a few episodes. And we're going to talk a bit about her author journey and some projects she has coming up. And in that, I will weave more in about sort of my author life. But I just wanted to sort of break that news to you. And if you would like to support the book, basically what that means is for a book to be successful, obviously people have to buy the book, but people have to know about the book. And so I mean, have uh, email, subscription, what would you call it? An email list you can sign up for. Check, go over to my blog, noahflipiak.com, and just click subscribe. And then you'll see a little checkbox if you want to join the book launch team. And basically, you're just going to get a handful of emails that tell you when pre-sales start, which is in November. And then I'm going to ask you to share that on your social media pages, uh, b- you know, buying a pre-sale book as well if you're interested in that. But the big thing is getting the word out. The book itself will be on sale in July 2021. So obviously leading up to that, there'll be some more emails going out to those on the book launch team on just spreading the word about the book and getting people interested in it and the launch and those sorts of things. Hopefully, we'll be redoing the video small group curriculum as well. I should say 
doing video small group curriculum as well. I have video small group curriculum for uh, Beyond the Battle. And so hopefully, that, while it's not in the contract, uh, there's definitely conversations about doing that for the new book as well so that men's small groups have a really good video small group curriculum that they can go through together. So stay tuned on all that sort of news, but I wanted to let you know about it and I would encourage you uh, to head over to the blog and just subscribe to the book launch team. So it's pretty exciting stuff. I don't want to take a whole episode uh, to talk about it now, but certainly a long journey. It's been a journey that God has taught me a lot through, and we'll talk about that more in a couple episodes. Speaking of other episodes, we'll give you some previews right now. I do have it confirmed. I'm going to be interviewing Preston Sprinkle for our next podcast episode. We are going to talk about how to talk about politics and specifically how, or maybe even more broadly, how to talk about polarizing issues. So in our culture today, particularly on social media, we are a very polarized society. And my brother Patrick and I get into that in our interview in this episode as well, as we talk about why Patrick thinks you need to get rid of your Facebook account and why he got rid of his. So it's a fun interview that we did and I'm keeping my Facebook account. So just to let the cat out of the bag, and it's funny because I'm asking you to share all these things on Facebook. But we have a really good conversation about these similar sorts of things, about really the, the dangers of social media and the ways we have to be careful in how we use it. So you're going to enjoy that conversation today, and then we're just going to springboard off of that with the next episode with Preston Sprinkle. It is a election year, so things get crazy on social media. And as Christians, there is a way we are to talk about these things. And Preston has written books on all kinds of controversial things, like the LGBTQ plus community and the church. He's written about gun control. Uh, he's just written about all kinds of things and gun control. And as far as saying, I am a pacifist, like that, you know, this is, and he, and he, and he does a really good job of, I, I think, talking about polarizing issues in a way that is that honors Christ and that actually brings about constructive dialogue where people that disagree can talk in a loving way and that is rare that is really really rare so we'll talk about that even I'm going to talk to him about if you're a pastor like me it's one thing if you're a pastor and you planted a church and you have some a lot of freedom and what you can say on social media even that's a little bit limited Versus if you're a pastor and you work where I work now at a large church and you're, you know, you're an employee and you, you don't want to dishonor the church and say things that maybe the church wouldn't wouldn't endorse, but you have things you really want to say and that feels like God's put in, in you and in your heart. And so I'm just going to navigate some of that with him on his thoughts. Preston has been a, a professor. Uh, he's, a, he's an author. He's not in a pastor role, so he gets to be a bit more, I think, of a prophet to the church and and say things where he doesn't have to worry about a congregation reading what he writes and disagreeing and, well, are you telling me to vote for so-and-so or because I want to vote for so-and-so? And it does look a bit different in a congregational setting than in a, you know, for, I, I know we use the word prophet differently. And so what I mean by that is, the sort of New Testament gifting of just speaking truth and it and it and it 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 echoes the Old Testament prophets who would just speak truth 
And you, you can speak truth as a pastor that really hurts your congregation. And so I'm going to talk to you about that, balancing sort of that priestly role of a pastor and caring for their congregation as well as when it's, you know, speaking truth. But then in, you get into politics and you're talking about specific truths and, uh, man, woo! so it's going to be fun. It's going to be a, a really fun conversation. So just stay tuned. If you're not already subscribed to the podcast, if you're new to podcasts, you don't even know what they are, subscribe. Uh, check out your podcast app and click subscribe on the flip side and you will get these episodes basically delivered right to your phone or to uh, whatever. So last a little announcement. We have our next beyondthebattle.net group starting. It's actually starting in two days. So hopefully you've been paying attention and are already signed up. But we do have two spots remaining. You have a very short amount of time. Today is June 26th and it starts on June 28th. But sign up. I had a guy sign up once two hours before the group started. <laughs> so that's awesome. You're welcome to do that. And we'd love to we'd love to get you in. So check out beyondthebattle.net if you're a guy and you want to hang out with some other guys for seven weeks and go really deep on your identity in Christ in an over-sexualized world. Next, we are going to open up the mailbag. Mail time. Mail time. All right. Our email address for the mailbag is podcast at beyondthebattle.net podcast at beyondthebattle.net. Mailbag is for all kinds of things, silly and serious. Sometimes a mailbag question is a huge question. Sometimes it's a whole podcast episode-themed question. That's what we have today. I will try to keep my answer brief, but it's probably not going to be brief. <laughs> so... Uh, but this is a brother-themed episode, so I email, uh, sorry, I interview, that's the word, I interview my brother Patrick later, and this email, the podcast mailbag is from my brother Pete, so thanks for the uh, email, Pete. He says, this is a random question, but I don't think I have my head wrapped properly around the idea of God's omnipotence, which means all-powerful and omniscience, which means all-knowing, in the way events unfold in our lives. I guess the direct question would be, does everything truly happen for a reason, quote-unquote? For a reason being in quotes. Because he says, I put the quotes because this is the way the question or statement is usually phrased. For instance, does God have two people set aside for each other to eventually meet at a certain time under a certain set of circumstances and say, get married and start a family? The counter-argument to that, in my head then, is what if those two people then get divorced years later? Did God also foreordain that if the times and circumstances, uh, did God also foreordain that, uh, what, I'm sorry, I think there's a typo there. Did God also foreordain that if the times and circumstances of the marriage were? You, you, you get what he's asking there. Okay, great. Now, let me start with this. Okay, <laughs> I'm not going to be able to solve this question. In this podcast. So if you're hoping for the solution, just go ahead and fast forward, you know, now or just skip skip this episode. I won't be able to solve this. This is, I mean, denominations split over this. This is one of the main rifts within Christianity. And it's a question we just need to be humble about and respectful about. So you have the Arminian sort of side of, of this question. And, and so you're going to have denominations like the Wesleyans, 
Methodist, you know, United Methodist, Free Methodist. And then you're going to have the Reformed side of this, and you're going to have denominations like Lutheran and, and Christian Reform and, and RCA and many others. You know, there's, there's so many little subgroups beneath all these, but you get, you get the idea. My point is we want to be humble about these things, but also approach Scripture and say, you know, what does Scripture really say? I, I'm not advocating that there's not truth out there. I'm not advocating that, oh, yeah, it's all, everything's true. You know, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying we just need to be humble and say, you know, there's, there's probably a reason there's a lot of disagreement about this question. You could answer this question with two sets of Scripture passages, right? Like the Reform side is going to give you their set of Scripture passages, and the Arminian side uh, would give you theirs. I will also say there's a huge spectrum within. So this is, let's talk about the Reform side of theology. You're going to have a huge spectrum. I mean, one of sort of the standard beliefs within Reformed theology is, and Presbyterian as well would be within Reformed. That's another big one. You know, there's others. I'm not, my point is not to be comprehensive and who's in, in which camp. But one of the main calling cards of being under some level of umbrella of Reformed theology is predestination, that, that essentially God chooses who is saved. And and if you go way back in the archive machine, if you go on my podcast feed, so go to podbean.com slash Noah Philippiak, and you'll see the whole feed. You'll find a podcast I did with my friend Tyler, who I've interviewed recently on the flip side. We had a podcast called Black and White Theology, and we would talk about each episode, one issue relating to race and one issue relating to sort of general theology. And we would often talk in there about some of Tyler's uh, black church experience with that, interacting with that topic, and then sort of my experience as well in a white church setting. And it was, you know, upbringings and things like that. So super cool, super good podcast. And we talked at length about the tulip, the T-U-I-L, sorry, I can't, can't spell, T-U-L-I-P, there we go. And I'm not going to go through all that here, but primarily the tulip from Calvin has to do with salvation. It has to do with this idea of predestination. And Arminians, you know, disagree. They they don't like it. And, and really my conclusion in doing somewhat comprehensive study through that podcast is it predestination's very biblical, this idea that God chooses who is saved. And it, it goes against our logic, it goes against what we think makes sense, but it's really hard to disagree with those scriptures. You have to at least conclude, well, Paul was a Calvinist. You know, Paul believed in predestination. Yeah, and so then obviously, you know, authority of scripture, and then then so should we. But again, I think the question Pete is asking, and I say that still with respecting many friends that are Arminian and who would have their their rebuttal to 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 you know to those arguments. I think the Arminian rebuttal is mostly a logical rebuttal, and the Reformed rebuttal is mostly a scriptural rebuttal. And I, I, that's, I don't know, I, that's, <laughs> and some of the Arminian rebuttals logic based on scripture, but ultimately it's based on logic or reason and, and kind of doesn't jive. You just, there's certain scriptures you just can't fully jive with. Anyway, I'm not even answering Pete's question yet because my point is, I think that's a different conversation. I think what what the predestination, my only point with that is that's a standard calling card belief within Reformed theology and Reformed denominations. When you get into what Pete's asking, some 
uh, would call this determin determinism. Try to say that 10 times fast. Theological determinism. And it's not a part of the tulip of Calvin. And uh, it's, but it's a belief that many Reformed churches would hold and many Reformed uh, people and pastors would hold. But I also think there's sort of a spectrum where many wouldn't, where it's not as standard of a calling card of being within Reformed denominations. Now, I could be wrong on that because I'm not in one. I've never had to take a Reformed sort of ordination exam and, and know if this is something you have to believe to be a Reformed pastor. I'll ask, I'll ask the next Reformed pastor. I have many friend, you know, friends who are, and they could, they could tell me. But the idea is that God determines everything. God determines absolutely everything. So God, earlier when I messed up how to spell tulip, and I was like, T-U-I-P-L, God made me do that. God is the one that ordained that to happen. And and so you're like, oh, that's weird. And it feels more like I that just happened, or I just chose for that to happen. And so again, logic would, you know, kicks in. You're like, oh, I don't think that's really true. But the, uh, there's a lot, there's scripture, right, that, that does back up this belief. And then... But also, and we're going to get into this, what it really comes down to is evil, the problem of evil. If we, we can often get our heads around the logical argument behind, yeah, God is all-powerful. Pete talks about omnipotence and omniscience. He's all-knowing, he's all-powerful. And, and so if he's all-powerful, then he is able, he, 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 he would be, he would be less powerful if he didn't dictate everything that happened, right? So that's a theological argument. God is the the greatest, most powerful being. And so if he didn't make everything happen and, and predict everything that would happen, I'm sorry, not predict everything that would happen. If he didn't literally make it happen, he would be somehow less powerful. But then the question is, is God ordaining sin? Is God making people get raped? Is God pushing a a rape button up in heaven and saying, okay, now you're going to get raped and now you're going to get raped? Is he pushing a genocide button up in heaven or a Holocaust button up in heaven and say, okay, I'm going to puppeteer, you know, Hitler and he's now going to go and act out the Holocaust or American slavery. I'm going to puppeteer these white uh, people that want power and and I'm going to make them enslave these black people and I'm going to make these things happen. I mean, that's really where this argument just falls apart and you're like whoa no way there's because if god were to do that he'd be satan <laughs> he wouldn't he wouldn't be he would not be holy there's no way a holy god could do those things let alone hold us accountable and responsible right so we know we're under god's wrath because of our sin and so we're under his judgment because of our sin and the way he can judge us is because he's holy he's he can't sin. He can't be around sin. He can't be in relationship uh, with sin. So here's some scripture that would go along with theological determinant, determinism. Uh, Romans 8, 28, and, and this is kind of where Pete gets that quote-unquote, everything happens for a reason. You know, try saying that to somebody that their kid just died of leukemia and, you know, their four-year-old, beautiful, precious, cutest child on the planet and you go to them and say everything happens for a reason it's okay god you know god's um yeah i mean good luck you know it's just uh, okay so let's let's jump in a couple of these scriptures i'm going to try to be brief because again this is a mailbag <laughs> we we have a whole episode to get to still 
Uh, Romans 8.28, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. And so the, the emphasis here would be in all things. We know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him. Uh, these are to, I'm just going to go through some of the, the, the I think the, the key of Romans 8 is the very next verse, 29. He says, for those God foreknew, he also predestined. Back to salvation. It talks about then being justified. This is a context about salvation. It also talks about in all things God working. Now, we can talk about the good of those who love him, and we have our definition of good, and then we have a kingdom definition of good. I think at the end of the day, I want to say God can redeem anything. So anything that happens, like rape, God can bring good out of that. So God is going to work in that, in all things, but it doesn't mean that God made the rape happen and caused the rape. So that's something to hang on to that as we keep going through these scriptures. Okay, so the next one is actually at the end of Genesis 50, at the end of the whole book of Genesis, I should say. As Genesis is winding down, the Joseph story is the last sort of narrative we have within Genesis, and I'm not going to rehearse the whole Joseph story, but lots of bad things happened to him by his brothers. You're probably familiar with the story. And verse 19 of Genesis 50, but Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. And so this is a, you know, narrative about God determinism. So God made these evil things happen to Joseph, and it was so the saving of many lives could happen. Now, genre is important here. This is a narrative this is a this is a historical narrative. Uh, I'm not going to get into Old Testament genres here. That's not the topic. Uh, th- that's a whole nother podcast episode. Very interesting stuff. But we can say that in this story, in the Joseph in the Joseph story, in the Joseph narrative, this is what happened, right? That God used Joseph's brother's evil acts to save many lives. But to take one account of God doing that and then to turn it into a whole theological argument that's always what happens would be an improper use of the genre uh, that we find in the Pentateuch. It'd be an improper use of the genre of the Old Testament narrative. In the same way, flip it over, um, Arminianism, and if you go really far into Arminianism, into open theism, which I was taught... Uh, at GRTS, Grand Rapids Theological Seminary, as as heresy by Mike Whitmer, uh, who I've interviewed before. So, you know, take that for what it's worth. Uh, Open theism is, takes a lot of its scriptural basis from when uh, Moses and God in Exodus are kind of having this this back and forth, and Moses changes God's mind. And he does. God, you know, is going to kill all all of the the Israelites in the wilderness and kind of start over. And Moses is like, no, God, don't do that because, you know, what would it say about you? And and I, sorry, I don't have it in front of me. I'm paraphrasing here because I'm this came to mind as I was reading Genesis 50. But the idea is he's saying, uh, you know, let your name be glorified because you let us out with the plagues and all these kind of things. But he basically, the, my point is, even though I'm butchering the actual passage in Exodus right now, the point is Moses changed God's mind. And the text tells us God changed his mind. And open theism is like the opposite of theological determinism. It's like God's just like, yeah, I'm, I wonder what's going to happen today. Let's go see, right? And uh, it, it really creates a very small God. And in the same way, it's an improper use of the Old Testament uh, narrative 
it's a genre of narrative. It's a it's an ancient genre even. But the the point is that happened once. That tells us right there, Moses changed God's mind. It doesn't mean that that's a theological principle for all time. There's other passages of scripture that are written in such a way that tell us this is eternal truth for all time versus narratives. We're hearing, we're seeing stories of things that happen. They happen once, and that doesn't mean they're going to continue to happen that way every single time. So there you go. There's a very small butchered hermeneutics lesson for you. So from Genesis 50, uh, Psalm 139, uh, verse 16, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. That's a pretty strong argument, right? For theological determinism. That this is in Psalms. Again, we we can look at genre. We can look at poetry. Uh, there's going to be debates. I'm just telling you right now that in this debate, genre is going to play a role in where you fall and in, in, in how much weight you give something based on the genre of scripture. Uh, this is a, this would be a worship psalm, right? This would be Psalms are songs. They're worship. They're poetry. Uh, there's truth. There's certainly truth in them, right? But uh, so this is a strong argument for theological determinism. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. They're written in your book before one of them came to be while I was in my mother's womb. And and so one thing we get from this that I that I love about God is, is there is a sense of comfort, right? And, and this is one of the pros of a strong reform theology is there's a sense of comfort that no matter what happens, you're in God's hand. No matter what happens, if it's a, a coronavirus or it's a genocide or just these horrible, tragic things like rape, God is still on the throne. That rape or evil or coronavirus don't win in the end. That they're not more powerful than God. It doesn't. It doesn't make these things easier to deal with. These specifically the acute per- traumas that people have gone through in their in their personal lives, uh, but. These verses give us comfort that God's in control at some level. God is more powerful, and that's maybe even a better way to think about it. God is more powerful. And and again, you're going to have huge denominational splits over this stuff, this idea that we live in a fallen world. So you're going to have Pentecostal or uh, charismatic or health and wealth or whatever types of denominations are out there. You're going to – there. there's whole – there's whole denominations that say, you know what, we don't, they don't take into account the weight of a fallen world where basically if something bad is going on in your life, if you, if you pray and you, you have faith and there's a word of faith movement, if you have enough faith, you can make all these bad things stop happening and just have enough faith and, and pray more and worship more. And of course, tithe more and give more. And, and at the end of the day, you're going to, you're going to be wealthy and you're going to be healthy and all these good things are going to happen. Why wouldn't God? And it's like this idea that heaven is now and the world is not cataclysmically fallen and broken by sin. And so we have to take these things uh, we, the, the weight of these things as we ask these questions about, okay, what does it look like to answer these questions within a fallen world? It means I know awful things are going to happen to me because this world is shattered and broken. Adam and Eve, Genesis 3, there was a brokenness of humanity. We rebelled against a holy God and we messed the whole system up. We, we messed up the system of life 
that that God intended for this world. And he is redeeming this world, but the ultimate redemption won't come until Jesus comes back. So the kingdom is already here, but not yet here. And again, where you fall on that and, and how much weight you give to this being a fallen world is going to determine well, actually, it's probably the other way around. It probably was determined by the church you grew up in, but it's going to determine what what type of denomination you end up in and what it's going to look like when we we look at what this world is going to be, uh, bra- bracing for the evil that's going to happen in this world. So let's move on to one more. It is Ephesians 1, verse 11. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined, according to the plan. Again, that's the salvation piece of predestination. But then here's the kicker for determinism. Uh, Of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. So the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. It says in verse 12, in order that we who were the first to put our hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. So it's I've given you a muddled mess. And, and to me, that's to the, the best way to approach this topic. It's to understand we live in a, there, there's certain, I think, rails you put, or maybe, maybe fences. I think good theology is done by putting down fences instead of trying to give a specific, exact answer to a question. So we know God can't sin. Okay? We know God can't cause sin. He's, he's not I mean, he's not, he can't be evil. We know that. He's holy. So that's like a very firm boundary line. That's a fence. We can't, we can't go across that. We know we live in a fallen world. We know there's going to be bad things that happen. And this is not heaven. We know that. We know that in God's omnipotence, he's not going to fix this world right now. We know he's fixing it. We know it's in process of being fixed. We know there's an ultimate fix that's coming, but we know that we live in a fallen world. That's the biblical narrative that we live in, and we long for redemption. We experience the victory of Jesus, but we long for the full redemption of all creation. All creation is groaning, is what Romans 8 tells us. And and that's the Bible. If you reject that, if you don't think the world is falling, you're re- you're rejecting a huge biblical theological truth of Scripture. So that's a that's a fence that we put down in here, and then uh, you're you're going to have a lot of thoughts in between. You're going you, you you have to. It's it's a really good question to ask. Uh, if you want my personal opinion, no, I don't think God says you're going to marry this person. Uh, this is exactly this is what what I want to have happen because people make foolish choices. God does not cause you to sin. God does not cause you to make foolish choices. You're warned against foolish choices. You're you're warned to do things God's way. You know you're you're warned uh, all, all these sorts of things. And we and again we <laughs> this is a really hard question to answer because. We have to. Be, I think it's an easy question to answer if you're just in a denomination and you say, "Yep, we got all this wrapped up," and and you give one third of what Scripture says about it, and and you move on, and everybody's sort of happy with that. That's just not reality to me. That's not the Bible to me, and so it makes these questions harder uh, to to answer. So, Pete, that's my that's my best stab at it. I think at the end of the day, we can be confident that God is all powerful and God is all gracious. Right? That's Thank goodness he's all gracious, I should say, for those who are in Christ, right? Under Christ, all things are covered. 
uh, by his grace and, and we, we, we need his grace, right? It's, it's, that's, that's where I come to rest and we serve the most powerful being. So whatever comes our way, whether it's our own sin and what that's caused, or it's the sins of others that have been afflicted upon us, or it's the sins of a fallen world and things like disease and cancer and earthquakes come our way. We know that at the end of the day, God wins and at some level, God is in control of all these things. We are in his hands, and in a fallen world, I think we get really entitled that bad things won't happen to us. I talked about that a few podcast episodes. Why do bad things happen to good people? I think it was episode 29. But in a fallen world, bad things are going to happen. And so that's something we we have to take into this, but knowing, you know what? Would I rather have bad things happen to me with God with me and and being on God's team and God's side and God having the ultimate victory? Ultimately, my only hope is God, my hope for deliverance, my hope for victory, that God is with me. Or would I rather have bad things happening to me with just me, just me and my own strength and my own wisdom, and I'll figure this out and, and I'll figure out, I'll, you know, heaven and hell and if they're man i hope they're not real because i don't really know how to figure that part out but in the meantime i'm just gonna kind of hope for the best and you know that's to me that's terrifying that's just and so when something bad happens it's knowing man god mourns with you god is with you and uh yeah so uh pete great question I've, uh, some of you listening are like, you didn't answer that question. I told you I wasn't going to be able to answer that question from the beginning. So if you want a nice, clean, clear-cut answer, you know, uh, I, I don't mean to say it cynic- cynically, but, uh, you know, you, you could ask a denominational person and they're going to give you sort of, like I said, their, their denominational thing, but do some research on it. I'll do, there's a, a nice link I found. It's, Kind of strange. I'm not familiar with the the website, Internet Encyclopedia of Philosophy. Uh, but it was a nice, it's a peer-reviewed academic resource. It's a nice article I found on theological determinism. I think it's really well written. And I will link to that in the show notes if you're interested in knowing more. Also, within that article, they do a good job of going through the problem of evil and kind of some of the different theories of how theological determinists have explained evil and how and and how theological determinism can be true but evil can still happen so check that out that's not something i wanted to get into uh but there's some more reading you know there and some good stuff so i mean i got into it but not the different theories because yeah there you go so that was a long mailbag that was good though i hope you liked it Hope you didn't fall asleep, but mailbag, you never know. That's a great question, and that's what I love about the flip side. You know, honestly, some people ask, why do you you change your podcast so often? Flip side is actually, I think, my fifth iteration of doing a podcast, and we're sticking with it. We're sticking with the flip side forever, and one of the reasons is because I love variety. I get bored so easy. I love that I wrote a book on sexual purity for guys, and that'll always be part of something that I do, but guess what? That's not gonna be what my next book's about. I I don't want to just talk about one topic. I love being able to talk about 
why my brother Patrick thinks you should get rid of your Facebook account, but you know, trying to really teach responsible use of social media as Christians. And I love ask, answering really hard questions <laughs> about does God determine everything that happens? And it's just fun. It's fun. And I like having fun. I like doing Noah's rant and uh, all that kind of good stuff. So we'll close up the mailbag here, but if you want to submit your question to the mailbag, or comment, or snarky remark, please do so, podcast at beyondthebattle.net. And so, without any further ado, we will jump into this interview with my brother Patrick. He and I were talking and having this conversation once, and he just, I had done something stupid on Facebook, and he had said, that's why you shouldn't use Facebook. And I said, tell me more. And he just kind of went off on his own rant, uh, Patrick's rant, so to speak, as I as I have Noah's rant later. Maybe it runs in the family. And I thought, man, this is a really interesting conversation. I don't agree with all of where he's coming from. And that's cool. Like, that's part of what interviewing is about and, and having healthy conversations and, and learning. But I do agree uh, that with a lot with we you know you'll, you'll you'll hear us as we talk. I, I certainly agree with at the end of the day, and, and frankly, he's maybe he's more right than me in, in some of these things that I just can't let go of or, or get rid of. But Facebook, particularly, I think social media as a whole, but Facebook particularly, it is an addiction. And I, I think we, we have a problem <laughs> that we are not willing to, to talk about. And I, and I joke with him, and I'll continue to joke with you here. So, yeah. And I always tell you all the time, share this on Facebook, right? And and I obviously use Facebook. It's it's a good tool in some ways. But, man, we're, we get into some good stuff. So I hope you enjoy this. Would love to hear from you on what, what you think and even your thoughts on social media because we're going to kind of keep this conversation going into the next uh, episode of The Flip Side. But at the very least, I think you'll listen to this interview. And at the end, you'll say, yeah, I need to think more about that. I need to be... I need to be a little more aware. I need maybe I even need to have this conversation with with some friends and or my spouse and and maybe I maybe there's some things I need to change. So enjoy and hang in there for Noah's rant coming up after the interview. Well, here we are. I'm interviewing my older brother Patrick, uh, six years older than me. When when we were little. Patrick was the one I always wanted to be like. Uh, my brother Pete, <laughs> who I, I read the I read the mailbag from earlier. Pete and I always fought. We we're only two years apart, and uh, Pete gave me a black eye once because I was the youngest. Uh, Patrick was always the one I thought was cool. His friends would come over, and I would try to play <laughs> with him and his friends. I do remember sitting outside of his room while he played with GI Joes because. He made the best sounds, and uh, I wanted to hear his sounds. So what, what was your memory of me as a child, Patrick? Well, the black eye from, from Pete uh, was mostly an accident. That was like – Well, there were multiple, the bat one? multiple black eyes. Now, we were in the back oh. of the car at church uh, in the church parking lot. You may not have been there because there was enough room for both of us, and I just remember – we were fighting about arguing in the church parking lot and he literally punched me in the eye, which is not no, cool. I don't, okay, like, we don't, I don't, we don't really punch people in the face in our family, but Pete did yeah. that time. And 
yeah. So that was I had a couple black guys, but only one I think inflicted by him. So <laughs> no, that was the other one when you were in Pee Wee baseball. That's the only yes. one I thought you were talking about. Pee Wee baseball. One. I did get it, it in the was... eye with a bat. Was that from Pete was... as well? I think it may yeah. have been. Yeah. No, it totally was. That was he, an accident. He was hammering a he was hammering <laughs> one of the bases in with a baseball bat. And you walked up behind him and yes. he cranked bat back for another swing and kabam. Yes. Yeah. We were well, little during that too, but that's the only one I remember. What was your memory of me as the youngest? As the youngest, man, I don't know. Um, uh, maybe it's a function of being the oldest, um, but I was largely in my own world. You, yeah. like you and Pete were a lot of fun to play with, but I think also uh, because of some of the age gap, it was like we weren't always friends. It was also it was funny yeah. to me that you said that, that like I was the cool one one because I don't know that I've ever actually been cool, but whatever. We're still trying. Um, but I had that same feeling towards our cousin, Craig. Yeah. Um, well, I like, what's funny is now I see that in my oldest kid, uh, how she feels <laughs> that way about uh, Pete's daughter. Yeah, We're like, the cousin, every time they're together, cousin. like yeah. I, I can see it, right? I can see yeah. like the cousin thing that's happening. It's like, man, yeah. I hope I'm like her when, you know, <laughs> yeah. like, you know, whatever, two or three years older. And yeah, for sure. No, which, I, so I don't, Fun. I don't remember you much as a little kid. Like you were just like a cool little kid to have around. Like it, but it wasn't. You know, like then when I got teenager, then everything yeah. was like, I'm a teenager. You know, and yes. nobody, nobody mattered at that point. Yeah. Um, I, so, well, it's funny because our cousin Craig, who you talk, who you're talking about, he's several, couple of years older than you, or a few years older than you, and there is a, there is a, like a family tree of the influential things that Craig brought into my life via you. Like it went from Craig to you, to me, things, several, several key, key parts of my life. One, obviously star Wars, uh, (laughs) which you're wearing a star Wars shirt right now. Um, other notable, other notables would be the movie strange brew. And, uh, (laughs) also, uh, the Monty Python, and the Holy Grail movies. So those are pretty significant yeah. things. And then other things like Voltron and, and things like that. But those, you know, uh, haven't stuck around as much into my adult life. But those first three, uh, very much so. So it's kind of, yeah, it's kind of funny to track uh, family um, You should You should watch history. Voltron that's on Netflix. Okay. I watch that with, with my kids. It's All pretty right. rad. Well, I need to get Netflix first. I'm way too cheap. I don't, I don't pay for stuff. So oh. although... I'm going to be getting a one month free trial of Netflix soon. That's how I roll. I just get the free trials to watch what I want because uh, <laughs> my wife and I will be watching the documentary 13th uh, soon, which I've seen uh, several times. Okay. And it's it's life changing. And uh, so if listeners haven't watched that, we talk about race a lot on this uh, podcast. And so that's uh, up there with one of the best if you want an, uh, a, a kind of life-changing education in about an hour and a half. So yeah, anyway, we're going to watch that uh, together. Jen's never seen it. So I will be getting a one-month free trial. It's like an amazing trial, much better than like a week. So I'm planning to yeah. watch a, a yeah. few other things as well. So I'll see if I'll try Voltron with the kids. That'll be good. So You should, yeah. Very good. Well, let's jump into sort of our topic. I've already talked about it a bit uh, prior to this in the episode, but we're going to talk about why, uh, basically why you think 
all the listeners should get rid of Facebook is kind of <laughs> what we're talking about. So, uh, so yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, some of the context here, you know, you know, this is year. This year we've had COVID nineteen, and if if you haven't noticed, uh, not everybody agrees uh, on COVID nineteen. Uh, there, there's uh, several competing views <laughs> out there about that this is like a hoax from the yeah. government and then you Ow. know and, and those sorts of things and then there's others who are very you know yeah. careful and and those sorts of things and what some listeners may have experienced uh whether it's COVID-19 or something around George Floyd and racial justice or maybe uh, something about the election year coming up or you can certainly think back in your past uh, but people have lost friends over Facebook. It's funny that it's called Facebook friends and, and yet, yeah. you know, you, you block people and, and legitimate, you know, friendships have been lost. And I feel like my next podcast episode is going to talk about some similar, uh, similar sorts of things, but it's, it's an election year. And so it's only going to get worse. And so honestly, I'd like to kind of us to have a heart conversation about, how to yeah. use uh, social media responsibly. And it might look different for different people, but that's my lead in. Uh, I'm going to turn it over to you. And, and for real, like, don't, don't hold back. Um, you know, I know your, your background is uh, psychology, undergrad, major. And yeah. so uh, just, just tell us, like, legit, like, you don't use Facebook anymore. You used to use it. So let's just start there. Uh, why did you uh, stop using Facebook? Um, many reasons. Um, I'll, the biggest one I think that I'll start with just <laughs> like the, the teaser trailer will be, I think Facebook is a danger to American democracy. Um, how's that? <laughs> I like, that. um, and there's, the, there's a lot more to it. Um, we could make a documentary, um, a documentary about that. I like, keep you going. could, there may be already one out there. I don't know, but, um, and, and we'll get into some of the reasons like why because the same thing that makes it dangerous for american democracy and it's not even it's not even like uh it's not even like russian hackers and russian bots stuff like that's its own that's its own thing it's dangerous for american democracy because of uh the dichotomatic if that's a word i'm making it up the binary thinking that it causes mm -hmm. people yeah. to participate in um so the short of it is, I mean, it's probably better. There's more to it than just that. It also is, I think, more personal. But the short of it is, I think I was a relatively early adopter to Facebook. Um, as What's funny is that I remember uh, being in Yellowstone years ago, uh, camping with Sarah. And we met, this was like before kids, so, you know, a while ago. We yeah. met some friends who Back were- Back when you could do fun things. Before yeah. kids, oh, yeah, you yeah. could still go do yeah. fun things like camping, yeah, I know. <laughs> like drive hours and days yeah. away. To, yeah, and just do to go something camping. fun for yourself for once. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Good. yeah, keep going. Better than that, uh, we we met another couple um, there. So they had been living in Portland, but uh, this was one of Sarah's best friends growing up from high school. So we met there, and so we had that. It was actually kind of hilarious because uh, I don't know where my friend Gabe got this, but he got like a hip flask of Jack Daniels and I'm not a heavy <laughs> drinker and he's not either. Um, but we just were like, like the women didn't have any of it. And so Gabe and I had almost <laughs> all of it. And it's not, we're talking like a couple ounces, but between two people um, in one evening, that was enough that we got, we got into a spirited conversation. <laughs> Get it? Yes. Spirited. 
Yeah, don't say anything that'll get you fired because this is, you know, the, the world listens this to this. This was a long time ago. So, this, all right. This is a long it's grandfather clause. <laughs> uh, about why I thought he should be on Facebook at the time, right? Yeah. Like, I was like, no, it's you should do this. Cool. Like, I, yeah. Well, it wasn't even that. It was, it was like, I was at the time, um, and this was, again, relatively early inception for, for Facebook. It wasn't that huge yet. Um, it only had millions of people right. on it. Um, for me, it was huge because I was able to reconnect with lots of people from my past, some of whom I thought were gone forever, right? Like uh, people from college that I just kind of had at the time tertiary but meaningful contact with. And, I, and it's kind of like the people who in the back of your mind, you're kind of thinking like, man, I wish I could talk to that person again. And but hey, Facebook makes that possible, right? I mean, and and to uh, potentially, I don't want to say sabotage, but to put to undermine my own arguments here, um, one of my best friends uh, is someone that I reconnected with through Facebook. Um, I'm not sure that he uses Facebook anymore, but he was, yeah, he was one of those people. Uh, there was somebody from youth group as well um, that also we connected on Facebook and kind of noticed like, Oh, we're both different from how we were in youth mm -hmm. group. Um, but then what ended up happening um, because I'm a person who likes to have real conversations and I, and I like when people are honest with their feelings um, because it's the only way you can really make any kind of, progress as a human being right as if you, if you can honestly look at yourself and look at other people and like put stuff on the table for real what i noticed was happening um was my threads and the stuff that was coming into my feed were really starting to shift so that um if i tried to start having a conversation about whatever you know politics or a social issue or whatever and no matter what angle i would approach it from i would only get people from one of two camps, either people who would like thumbs up and yep. maybe post a comment and like fully on board or which is not helpful. Cause like I'm trying to have a conversation. So like neither of those things are great. Um, or it was the exact opposite. Just somebody being like, no, you're wrong. And I'm angry and you're stupid. And you know, not even typically giving reasons, just making it like really personal. Um, in an impersonal way, uh, if that makes sense. Yep. Personally attacking me, um, right, as being whatever, an idiot um, or a dupe or something like that, right? These are people you know or people you don't know? Both. I mean, yeah. so like, because, because of what Facebook does, what happens, I mean, like I, the weirdo people was like, there were people who on Facebook now has a gradient of friends. So, right. you know, you have some people that you're genuinely close to you can switch whether you want certain people to show up more often. But then there are some people that you're just like connected with because whatever you worked with them once or whatever. They're like the friend of your brother that you went to a movie with, one, you know, whatever, like something weird like that where they're just like, yeah, let's connect. Right. And so like those people would be chiming in on my feed and, I, and I'm like, you know, who are you? Yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah, I remember you from, why are you even bothering to type this? You just spent energy and time to do this for what purpose? Um, and the short of it was that conversations, this was the personal side of it. Conversations were getting 
clamped off. N there was no real dialogue anymore whatsoever. Mm -hmm. um, people would infer uh, what they thought you meant, and then they would post from the opposite camp, if that's what their argument was, kind of like uh, their take, their hot take on it. Um, and it wasn't about people anymore. It was about camps. It was about tribalism, um, right? It was about separation. Um, and so that was a part of it, right? Was like, the, for a while, it was that experience that caused me to, I spent several months, uh, uh, what do they call it? Just deactivating my account, right? So like kept my login information, didn't actually delete the thing. Um, but you know, like ah, now I'm just off of this for a while. And for my own sake, my own mental space, my own, you know, emotional health and that kind of stuff. Like this isn't good for me. Um, and also, Hey, can we talk about the psychology of this for a second? Um, Facebook, Instagram, other social media platforms are intentionally engineered to exploit our psychology. Um, the, the, <laughs> I don't, I don't know that this is true cause it's been a while since I read it, but I did read an article, I think in like slate.com or something like that it's many years ago that the, the guy who invented the thumbs up like button on Facebook no longer uses Facebook <laughs> and that there are actually several designers who did, who are that same way because it, it incentivizes mm -hmm. compulsive behavior, right? Um, to the point now where you have psychologists doing research specifically on the impacts of yeah. social, social media on youth, right? On teens, even on preteens, um, none, spoiler alert, none of it is good. Right. Um, uh, and so, so one, it started to bug me that the whole premise of this platform is to exploit my psychology so now, that can I, I just to clarify, are you talking about yep. like, like the validation that somebody can get from when somebody likes something that they put on? It's like they get a validation a hit from that. Like it's like a drug. So I'm going to go back to it. Like, is there yes. something going on in my it's brain not, I mean, when that happens? Yes. No, no, no. There is something going on in your brain. It is, it is the reinforcement psychic uh, cycle. You are getting ping, right? Uh, yeah. You're getting that little like cha-ching. Every time you, you, every time you log in, so the blue Facebook, and you notice that there's the little red number, right? It right. tells you how many interactions did I get? And especially if you were doing what I was doing and what a lot of people do, it's what you do on Facebook where like you post something and you're kind of fishing, right? You either are fishing for a reaction from people or if you're posting pictures or something like that, you want that reinforcement of seeing sure. how many likes did you get, right? Yeah. Um, or, or even the other thing is like if somebody posts a snarky anti-comment and starts a thread and you can even just read it with popcorn as, you know, your friends go after them or whatever. Right. That also is intentionally designed as a part of the platform. <laughs> right. Uh, I should look up what this guy's name is. There's a, there's a, a professor, a researcher at Arizona State University. Um, and I cannot remember his name right now. Uh, it is very Italian though. Um, anyway, he, he actually basically pioneered this research. He wrote a book, I think that is called Influence. Um, and then effectively taught people how to create apps that do this. 
Um, and so a lot of the people who have created these things are, to my understanding anyway, uh, some of his former students, right? Robert um, Cialdini. Robert K there you go. Cialdini. Cialdini. Yeah. I don't think Spicy. he actually is Italian, but that yeah. definitely sounds... Cialdini, yeah. you know? His book is called um, Influence, Science and hey. Practice. Yeah. Okay, keep going. So, like, the short of it was the more that I learned about this, the... the <sighs> I don't like being so, exploited. Was he like, and so, so the, he, he wrote this book and these, his students are making these apps. So he's like, cool with this. He's like, Hey, it's how you manipulate people and here and then go make a bunch of money on it. Or is he I don't know. like critiquing I, it? The sense that I've gotten is, I mean, I don't, I don't keep up with it. I got other things in my life to do, but like yeah. the sense that I, the sense that I get is that a little column A, a little column B. The sense that I get is that initially you know, I mean, you, you get a lot of your own reinforcement when you write a book and people pay attention to it and it's a bestseller, right? And like that, that's a powerful thing. You know, like, hey, especially as a professor, like I'm successful now. That's, isn't that the measure in some way is like people yeah. are paying attention to you and using my research. Um, and the other thing is, I think it's, it was hard at the time in some ways, and it often is, to see exactly how human beings will exploit a new technology and exactly. Mm -hmm. So I think part of it was a little bit of naivety. Um, so, I mean, I have read a few things where he's kind of walked back like, Oh no, I wish people wouldn't do this. Yeah. But I mean, at the same time, but you know, keep buying but my book. Yeah. And it's also out there. I don't think that is, I don't think his book necessarily, I, I haven't read it yet. I would like to, um, I, ha I don't get the sense that his book necessarily says like, go exploit people. I think it just is, it, th his specific research was in how can you use technology to, I mean, to influence people, right? Yeah. To, to like, effectively like, th those like buttons are there to keep you coming back. Those notifications right. that pop up on your screen are there to keep you spending time on the app, right? Which leads me to point number two or three or 12 or wherever we are. Um, data collection. Uh, Facebook and Mark Zuckerberg in particular seem to have absolutely no qualms whatsoever um, about collecting your data and using it for whatever the heck they want. And here's where we also are starting to get into why I really see that it's dangerous to American democracy. Um, he has been called before Congress several times. And I don't know if you've ever paid attention to the things that he says when he's there, especially like when he got called on the carpet about the, uh, the Russia meddling in the 2016 election. And even when people were asking him about, okay, hey, well, based on what happened last time, what is Facebook going to do this time to meter or monitor or filter or pay any attention at all to the kind of political ads? And he's just like, what? right <laughs> um i like truth and people can make up their own truth and, and like what he actually said was effectively we're not going to filter ads for truth we're going we i think that people need to be the ones who filter that people should just see what you know so he took kind of took like the uh i guess it would be like the First, a First Amendment argument. Um, the problem being, he makes buttloads of money 
from political ads. Mm-hmm. He's not going to stop that. And also, they control who sees those ads. And so, in the current binary thinking world we live in, where everyone is in one tribe or the other, and it's really hard, where did moderates go, right? I mean, as, a, as an independent moderate, like, it's really hard to be that anymore because everything, everything... <laughs> is reskinned in yeah. you know uh this binary thinking right you're either this or you're that um and he makes money off of it and so it's it is entirely not trustworthy because he has the ability to protect the integrity of the american citizenry by not allowing people who have a lot of money to post ads that are either intentionally uh slanderous or intentionally manipulative in the same way that like the, the, the whole thing with the Russians in 2016 wasn't that they rigged voting machines. It was that they rigged Facebook and Twitter. It's mm-hmm. that they, they were using these same psychological techniques because they know they were exploiting the research that shows us all you have to do is put one fake news story out there and it can be one of the most ridiculous stories and it doesn't, matter it can even be debunked the next day 24 hours later Mm -hmm. and you as a human being emotionally responsively will remember the first thing you saw more than the second so so like one example is um this was after the 20 or like around the 2016 election uh i remember seeing this this ad came up in my feed so i was still on facebook at this point i guess um, I saw, I saw an, a, a news article in air quotes, I will say that said, uh, it was after Bernie Sanders had, um, bowed out to Clinton and the news article said something about, uh, Sanders bows out after DCCC, uh, gives him a giant house. Like they, gave, you know, like they, they gave him a million dollar mansion. So I'm sitting there head scratching and like, I'm not necessarily, I wasn't necessarily like a Bernie boy or, or a strong Clinton supporter or whatever, but it was, it was like, from what I, I was paying attention to both. Right. And like, from what I understand, that just doesn't sound like a thing that Bernie Sanders would be into. Right. <laughs> Neither the giant house nor getting a giant house to stop running in an election right (laughs) um and it turns out it was total crap but it but it was one of those things that shows up in people's feeds and probably honestly it was not and also like you can look at the at the address at the bottom and like it was not a normal reputable site it was like you know something that like you've never heard of before And, and um probably honestly was was russian hackers or bots or like you know russian uh intelligence services who had created that is my guess and i think listening for me uh and and this i guess this would be my pitch um zuckerberg is in control of facebook and he has shown absolutely no regard for um, the integrity of American democracy. And by that, I specifically mean a government for the people, of the people, by the people. He is 100% on board. For, and from I'm looking at this from his behavior, right? Everything that he has done has shown that 
he is on board with exploiting American democracy for his own profit. Um, so that he can, I mean, it, you know, if we want to take it from an evolutionary standpoint, it makes sense. He, he wants to be part of the rising oligarchy. If you want to look at America from a, a class perspective for the last X number of years, at this point, we're looking at decades, there's been an increasing divide between the rich and the poor and the middle class is shrinking, right? And so I think he just wants to make sure that he's going to get his well to get his good um, instead of trying to preserve the middle class, instead of trying to um, provide a form, a format for education and enlightenment and discourse. Uh, he wants to scrape dollars as many as he can get, you know, from, from, from whoever is willing to put whatever message out there. So, you know, other than the, we're going to take down the stuff that really gives us bad face. Like when some racist shoots up a place and films it all live. Okay. Well, we're going to, we're going to work real hard to get our programmers to stop that from happening again. But if politicians want to pump out lies, like who are we to filter that for American people? Right. Um, so I don't know. That's it, it is an intellectual argument. It is also an emotional argument. But for me, it finally just got to the point after, uh, let's, uh, can I remember the name of the company? Uh, there's the British company. Come on, buddy. Uh, the name's not there. I should have looked it up beforehand. Um, Cambridge Analytical. You remember that? Nope. There's like a, a kerfuffle that happened. Uh, where there's a company called Cambridge Analytical, uh, Analytics maybe it was called. Analytica. Um, there you go. Um, Google machine. The, yeah. Uh, and the, the my understanding is that the Trump uh, uh, political organization hired them to like get political data on people on Facebook. And like, they're not supposed to have that information, but they did um, because Facebook allowed them to collect it. <laughs> <laughs> when they oh, yeah. to, right? right 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 um and whatever happened with that nothing like yeah. what is stopping companies from doing that more nothing at the time what did zuckerberg say when he had to report to congress about it a bunch of nothing like he said like we're real sorry and i'm gonna try not to do it again but they didn't do any they didn't actually change any of policy in a, in a major way to prevent that from happening again um, to, to, and so as people are barfing all of their feelings and all of their opinions and all of their thoughts into this format, it's just being harvested and collected and sifted. And it sounds so bizarrely conspiracy theorist as an old person who, you know, was around at the advent of computers. Right. Uh, well, at least home computers. Um, yeah. But now, like, I, I, I don't know. How does that sound? <laughs> well, it's good. Yeah. So let me ask, like, uh, when you talk about um, how it, it's it's against American democracy, it is one of the is one of the main ways. Just to kind of so I can distill it down a little bit, is one of the main ways you're talking about that is that it makes us binary. It, it reinforces the binary thinking because I, I talk a fair amount about that whenever political season comes around and just in general, we, uh, in fact, in my, my next episode, I'm going to be interviewing 
uh, author, uh, Christian author named Preston Sprinkle, and he writes a lot of books on sort of controversial things. And I think he does a he does a nice job with his social media as far as like. Uh, you know, kind of guiding Christians and how to not be binary, you know, thinkers. And so when, when we talk about binary, just I'm sure most people know what that means, but it's just this idea that there's, there's, all, there's like two views and there's only two views and there's, there's like camp over here, whether it's, it's the left camp and there's the right camp over here. Yeah. And, and yeah. then we just fight. Like well, there's, no, there's no discourse in the middle. There's no, there's no friendships yeah. even to be had across. Right. So, so um, practically how this can play out is I can be friends with somebody in real life. Like I can be in the same room as them. We could play a game of cards. We could share a meal. We could be yeah. Christian brothers or sisters. But then all of a sudden on Facebook, I see we disagree on one of these binary subjects. And these would be things like immigration, abortion, uh, racial yeah. justice, these are all sure. sort of examples. Could be. I mean, uh, even your even your presidential pick. Right? I was just I mean, going to say the yeah the, the name of who was, you're voting for, Clinton right. or Trump or Bernie right. Sanders. Thinking of 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 last right. time around or this time around, it's going to be the same thing. And so so then uh, it's then we become binary and then we huddle in with our tribe. And yeah. uh, the same thing happened with COVID, which is sort of hilarious. It was it was Preston who said something like, "Only in America we're able to." I forget how exactly said it, but only in America we're able to politicize a pandemic, right? And we are because yeah. this is how we're we're hardwired. <laughs> the whole political system, right, is hardwired for this. Spoiled because we're. <laughs> What'd you say? Oh, I was going to say because as a culture we're spoiled and we you yes. know, we don't well, want yeah, to they're... not have the things that we enjoy. Hey, so is is Preston so, Sprinkle? Is he related to? Was he ever in a band called Poor Old Lou? I'll ask him. Was he one of those? Know. Was he one of those sprinkles? You should ask him. He, I know I'm he had a pretty decent. Myself, but he had a pretty decent baseball rad. career. I think he played college oh. college baseball. No. So I probably not. That. It doesn't seem to go together. But I, I no. can always, I can see if he's related. But he yeah. Should. So, so is that? Is I know you said multiple things there, but is the binary definitely? Um, no, no, no. So, so there, the the thing that is happening quite specifically is Facebook is facilitating tribalism. Yes. And there are a couple of other things that are I doing agree with this, that. right? There are a couple of things. So, uh, like, for example, uh, you know, if I find out that you prefer to read or watch Fox News or yes. CNN, right? Like, yeah. oh, well, I automatically know instantly all of your political opinions. And so the, the thing that Facebook has helped to facilitate, and I mean, this has been, it, it, maybe this has been your experience and anybody listening to this think about if you've ever had this happen but, but like where you're talking with a person and I, as, as a moderate and an independent this happens to me regularly uh, where I'm talking with a person about a thing and they're talking with me and you pick the topic it literally doesn't matter which which political or social topic we're talking about um, and they now will just sort of spout whatever a talking point is yeah right this is this has definitely happened with covid where at this point like you can tell what media people listen to based on what catchphrases they're using right yeah or if you talk about uh like black lives matter or uh police uh reform and like all the all of that whole thing that's happening you can tell what media people listen to by which buzzwords they choose to use and this is a shift this is this is a bizarro shift where 
early in like in the George W. Bush days, um, these sort of things would happen in a different way. They would happen where like uh, someone in Congress would say something and maybe conservative media would pick up that talking point. And then if I was listening to conservative media, then it would trickle. It was kind of like trickle down from government to media that matched it in terms of mindset and then people would pick it up from there but that has been cleverly inverted now where now uh the talking points are born from the media <laughs> it's a yeah. pretty slick machine right yeah. we're like i don't have to listen to politicians talk or even write about anything i can just listen to or read certain media right um and it will automatically sync with yeah whatever political persuasion it is that and so it's it's i i uh, it happened to me a couple of times and i and i i'm a little <laughs> i'm a public school teacher um and i'm still friends with uh or like to be um some of the folks that i would share stories about where this kind of thing has happened so i'm not going to tell the stories but it was just very apparent like oh one we're three sentences into a huge conversation, like a huge topic. And you've already pegged me as being in a certain tribe. I don't feel like I'm in that tribe. Mm -hmm. based, on, based on the language you're using, I definitely know what tribe you're in. Yeah. Right. Um, and that's happened oh, three times and every time it just breaks my heart. And so when I'm, when I'm talking about Facebook and it's not just Facebook, but it is definitely one of, if not the biggest, right. Uh, when I talk about Facebook being detrimental, being dangerous to American democracy, that is quite precisely what it is. It's not just that the quality of conversation on Facebook is bad. It's that Facebook is, in, is concentrating people algorithmically into camps it feeds you what you want to hear it it becomes right. it creates for you an echo chamber so that you will yeah. only hear um and it also and then it also uh exploits something that's called the backfire effect which is where if you say yes and i say no and i give you lots of facts why the answer is no those facts don't matter. If I'm being angry about it, no, you're wrong because here's a bunch of facts. Even if my facts are solid, <laughs> what I've actually done according to the backfire effect <laughs> is reinforced your yes. <laughs> mm -hmm. Psychologically, you start thinking of all the reasons why, why is this angry man yelling at me? My reasons must be even better than I originally thought. And Facebook does that, right? What are the two kinds of responses that you get? either people who are totally on board with whatever right. thing you posted or the opposite of that. And both of them just reinforce your initial point of view. They establish. And so from a growth perspective, when you're talking about massive national issues, I mean, okay, so let's talk about racial disparity in our country. Um, how can you have that conversation when it then gets the nuances of it, the subtlety of it, the fact that it is historic, that it is also class-based, that it has been intentional at points, 
and unintentional at other points, that racism can be intentional and there's also unconscious bias that happens for everyone because we're human. How, like, how can you have that conversation in a world where, in, in a venue, in a, in a media, where it just shows you two options? Either you're pro-cop or you're pro-black people. The end. Yeah, right. <laughs> right? Like, and, and the, to the brave soul, I salute you, who would try to nuance anything out without getting a verbal shotgun blast from there. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, some of that too, you know, when you talk about being like pro cop or pro black, it reminds me of, and Facebook certainly plays into this though. It's, it's more of an overlap thing. How communication has been distilled down to memes, uh, yeah. memes and uh, gifts, uh, but essentially yeah. it's, it's, it's saying here's a meme it's a photo and it has uh, one provocative phrase on it. And so I have distilled my view down to this one. This And there's some, you know, there's, there's going to be some influential or powerful things about those. Um, but it, but it, that's what it reminds me of is that it takes very complicated, complex things that, that really, if, if you were, I mean, if you were sitting in a room with somebody, even if it was a classroom, that's better than Facebook. But if it, if you were sitting in a legitimate yeah. room, like a dorm room or a living room, you wouldn't bust out a meme and show it to them <laughs> to like communicate, <laughs> like you just meme fight back and forth. <laughs> you, would, you would talk like you would have an actual relationship. And, you know, yeah. uh, one, well, one, it's, not, it's not designed for that, right? Like the design is I'm going to post a funny picture. I'm going to get a bunch of likes. Well, I'm often I'm successful, but the I, funny you know. picture often is a mockery too. It's like, so now it'll oh, yeah. be a, yeah, yeah, a yeah. mocking picture. So I'm going to mock the yeah. other side, which is yeah. always like as a Christian, that's not how we are to, to dialogue with our friends or yeah. enemies. Like we're not to right. mock with our friends and mock against our enemies. Yeah. But I would say three quarters of the memes out there are mocking sorts of memes are sarcastic memes about, the other side and uh you know that's just not we're just not supposed to be uh about that but um right what yeah. one thing i wanted to bring up in this conversation too because it's 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 one of the reasons uh you and i started talking about it in the midst of of a covid19 uh quarantine so we're all having to shelter in place at home and some of that's lightening up around the country but for two for two months everybody or longer however long it was everybody's literally just stuck in their homes, not talking to anybody uh, in person besides their family. And, and that I think is an environment ripe for these sorts of things. I mean, I, I, uh, I'd say almost lost a friend on Facebook uh, during this season. And that yeah. same friend who I think grossly misuses Facebook. I think, I think this friend is very immature in the way they post about things. And I've tried to talk to this friend and they, they don't listen. So another, so good at, in other words, they're good at Facebook. Yeah. 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 They have their, and so another friend, because you see what another friend wrote on this friend's post basically yeah. confronted this friend, confronted them on the way they post and on how right. they're, they're unteachable. I think they use that word, unteachable. So oh, pub, pub, publicly uh, on this thread, yeah. this friend A says to friend B, <laughs> both friends of mine, uh, these, and these two guys have known each other. Uh, I was trying to say the gender, but okay. Fool. 
these two guys have known each other for decades, okay? Yeah, they've known yeah, each other yeah, for decades. Yeah. And he basically just lights him up and says, you know, this sort of pity party. How, how dare you, like, speak so rudely and mean to me like you just did. And, and yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm going to block you. Like, we're, he just says, we're not friends anymore. Now, again, this is the right. friend that doesn't, he uses Facebook in an immature way. So he, he sure. blocks other friend in front of everybody, like, on here. Yeah. I'm just thinking, yeah, if these two guys... Well, we're in a room together. They never, ever, ever, ever would have talked to each other yes. uh, like that. Yeah. So, right. No. And so, the, people are products of their environments. And the main problem that I have with Facebook is that it is intentionally. I, I have to assume it's intentional. I, I have seen nothing from leadership or from the program itself that suggests it's not intentionally designed to provoke that kind of response it's not it's not there to help you be a better person right so like they may sell it as being a connectivity tool or something but like it's it is designed intentionally <laughs> from a software architectural level to get you to do that kind of thing because when that guy unfollowed he feels great he feels righteous yeah. He feels like he did the right thing, right? And Facebook is telling him he did the right thing, right? And there's no thought. There is no thought that you just lost a decades-old friendship because <laughs> like, what is that? I mean, whatever. I just, yeah, but look at all these likes I just got for doing that. And also, look at, all, look at the four people underneath that who just gave me little clap emojis, you know, for, like, being the hero in this situation, right? And it, yeah. it doesn't even matter what you're talking about. Like, progressives and conservatives and everybody in between that's the experience um and so it just causes a person to become that even if that guy was not an emotion and an emotionally immature person before this even if he was not a terribly impulsive angry person before this it encourages you to have those thoughts by giving them to you in tiny little bites, little micro doses all the time. Maybe it's more akin to like smoking cigarettes, you know? Like if you smoke a couple cigarettes, it's not like heroin or something where you're just like, sweet, I need Facebook all the time. It's not, it's like, it's a tiny little thing that you barely even feel, but mm -hmm. you feel it and you're not even necessarily aware of it. And then you do it enough times. And oh like, yeah. Sweet. Now I'm not, now I can't stop this thing and I'm not even really sure what I'm doing. And if you tell me to stop, I'm going to get mad at you. Right. Yes. Like, yeah. Who are you? What? I'm sorry. Who are you to tell me blah, blah, blah about, you know? So I don't know. The short of it was, it was a very hard decision for a while. And then, um, for me, and then finally I just like, you know, when I made the decision finally is to delete it. You can download, this is how it works. You, you, have the option if you want at any point, but I did it right before I set up my delete. You can download all your data. Um, so, I, so I downloaded, I don't even know, a, a decade's worth? I don't yeah. know how long, a lot of stuff. Um, and then you have to tell, it's really hard. In fact, you might even have to Google it because Facebook will not help you find out how to delete your account. Um, so that's what I did. I Googled it, how to delete Facebook. You do follow the rabbit trail in Facebook to where you delete it. And then it gives you 14 days just in case, you know, <laughs> don't, don't be rash or impulsive here. You might want, think of what we've, you know, you'll just give it some 
four, just 14 days. We're just going to give you this time. Just it, it's fine. It's fine. And then it automatically deletes at the end of that. Um, but uh, that is interesting. It's, isn't it's, it it's kind of creepy. Yeah. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. Isn't it interesting? Yeah. Well, Facebook is certainly addictive. I mean, they've done, uh, they've done studies on that and those are continuing to come out. And I think most listeners, if you're honest with yourself, I, I am, I'm, you know, there's an addiction factor to it where you, you go to it. And it also, there's studies out there just about how it, it waters down, you know, relationships and how it gives the illusion of connectivity. I mean, we are like the most depressed society in the world. We're the most isolated society and not, not in the world. I mean, in history, like we're as far as statistically as they've been measuring these things, suicide rates and depression. And, and I'm not, I'm not stigmatizing those things. I struggle with depression. Uh, but Facebook certainly contributes to depression when you're, yeah. you're looking through everybody's highlight reel. Oh, I just went on this great vacation. Oh, I'm so in love with my husband. I'm so in love with my wife. Like, look at our, our anniversary and it's mushy gushy this. And like, there's never, you know, very rarely will, will there be problems on there. It's just all the best of the best and people curate their photos. So whatever you're, your profile picture is it's it's the best picture of you that you could find it's the prettiest the coolest the best lighting and you put that thing that's me that's that's who i am uh mean so we compare ourselves to to all those things and then meanwhile because our society is becoming more and more fragmented you know we don't spend time actually with people we don't spend time with small groups of people over you know a long period of time so those are some things that i want that was to the, that was the the final thing for me personally, like there, there was all that intellectual stuff that I've already talked about. There was the political thing and like the Patriot side of me. Right. But what it really honestly, in some ways came down to was like, okay, I reasoned all this out in my head, but for me, other than the fact that some days it would actually get me depressed, like at some, some yeah. days it was like, look yeah. at the state of humanity. Right. That too. Yeah. It's like <laughs> it really, it really is like, how much, how much time am I spending on this thing? Right. Like I, I, and I I don't, I guess I suspect that there are lots of people who probably use Facebook the same way that I did. um, And probably plenty of people who don't, but I, you know, I'd find myself on Facebook for, I mean, if, if I was to combine all of the five to 15 minute increments, I was probably on Facebook for at least an hour to two hours a day. And sometimes more than that. Right. Like sometimes if I was having an anxious day or, it, you know, I can't sleep at night, you know, where, where do you go? Yeah. Jump to that sucker and just scroll for a while. Um, and so it finally hit me as I had this itch, like what happened to all the things I used to like to do? Uh, oh, that's right. I fill up my time in five to 15 minute increments by diving into this thing. Yeah. And you know, and it's designed to do that again. Like it's it, when it, when it, when that went off for me, it was, it was like, I, the only solution for me is I have to delete this. Like I, I am losing some things, but what I'm gaining, um, is way better than what I'm giving up. All right. So to sort of wrap things up, I'm not getting yeah. rid of Facebook. Okay. I'm not, I'm not going to get rid of it. And I think most listeners aren't cool. either. So most, most people listening are not going to get rid of Facebook either. So, You're now responsible for the downfall of America. Great. I know. I know. Good, I know that. Job, so everyone give yourselves a round of applause. Unlike yes. me, I'm trying to save America. You are, you are taking down, taking down <laughs> Facebook. So, uh, so 
we've covered many of these, I think, things already. People, could, if they were listening, could, could take out uh, as advice. But seriously, so what advice would you give to someone that's going to stay on Facebook? What advice would you give them on, on using oh. it um, without, you know, you know, just without causing harm to themselves and others? Um, just yeah. what, what, are some, what are some advice that you'd give them? And you can repeat um, some things we've already said because we've, we've gone over a few things, but anything else? Yeah. Uh, uh, be careful. I mean, um, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I, my, first piece of, my first piece of advice is honestly um, pay attention. Right. On a couple of different levels, pay attention to how, pay attention to how much you use the app. If, if you use right. an Apple device, you might be able to use that to like help you pay attention to like, have it record how much time you are using that particular app. You might be surprised at how much time you spend on a day doing yep. that. Yep. Pay attention to the quality of conversation and the quality of content that shows up in your feed. Um, pay attention to the, type of responses that you get to your posts, whether it's a family vacation post or it's something more political or personal um, or, or personal emotional, like you're going through a hard time or whatever, pay, pay attention to what you're putting up there and also pay attention to how people are, I don't know the word I wanna use is consuming, but pay attention to how people are responding to what you're contributing into that environment. Um, it is a hard place. Yeah. I don't, it, so I, yeah, that, I guess that'd be my advice. Pay attention. Um, go slowly. If you ever feel the back of your neck getting hot, if you ever feel, feel your ears turning red, it's time to get off. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, don't post anything. Don't like anything. Don't click any buttons. Um, yeah. Uh, make it a nice, banal, boring place for looking at pictures of your kids or other people's kids and their pets. And, you know, um, have those conversations, have the deeper conversations someplace else. Have them in a way that have them in a way that forces you to really be with a person. And I don't mean even necessarily sitting next to a person, but like where you are ready to maybe even before the conversation starts, because this is, I don't think this is a thing you can do in a Facebook like social media environment um, where before the conversation starts, you can maybe consciously say, no matter how this conversation goes, I'm still going to love this person at the end of it. That love may be different. That has happened for me, certainly, right? In the course of conversing with somebody like, oh, interesting. But the truth is, and this is psychology, if you don't have a global platform of clickbait to get people to form into these tribes, right, based on algorithms, if you still want to have an influence over people, if you still want to persuade them, if you still are passionate about certain things, whether they're political, social, emotional, anything, so I, I'm incredibly passionate about the worth of people, 
right? Um, as taught to me by uh, Jesus <laughs> and Mr. Rogers, <laughs> a lifelong Republican, as it turns out. Yeah. Um, <sighs> Sorry, I get sidetracked every time I think about that because could there be Mr. Rogers Republicans <laughs> in today's day and age? That's a podcast for another day. Um, pay attention, you know, like where I was headed. Sorry, let me jump back on the rails. People still can have an influence over each other. The way that you do that, this is psychology. This is proven by research. The way that you do that is by being an ally and a friend to that person. So let's pretend crazy town. You have somebody that you know for a while and like all of a sudden, for whatever reason, you realize like, oh, they're kind of white supremacist. You have simple options, right? Modern culture would say, cancel them, click, block them from everything. Well, first, first it would say, post on their wall, like you're a white yeah, supremacist how bad they are. in all caps. Yeah. And so, yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, that won't work. That like psychologically research-based that will trigger the backfire effect and you will in fact entrench them deeper in their ideologies. So if you care about the person, even if you just care about the memory of the person you remembered, <laughs> right? And they may not even be that person anymore. If you care about that person, you can still persuade them by being a caring, loving person. And when you have those conversations with them, try to identify, try to get them to talk about what is it about the thing that they're talking about that, that they identify so strongly with? Because nobody's going to say, even let's talk about white supremacy as a ridiculous example, right? Any racist for that, like powerful, like nobody's going to say like at the get go, I mean, unless they're real dumb, like real out of touch with themselves, uh, that no, like I believe this stuff because I just like, because white people are just better, right? Like, no, they have reasons for it. I don't know what those reasons are. <laughs> I don't know that many white supremacists well enough to have this conversation with them, but they will give you reasons and they will not, it will daisy chain up to something ridiculous, right? To something hateful and damaging. But if you can connect with them on the most basic levels of like, oh yeah, I, I also value hard work, right? Does that have anything to do with the color of a person's skin? No, <laughs> but we'll get to that the third time we talk about this. Yeah. But for now, I just need you to know, I love you and I'm not gonna reject you no matter how crazy the thing is that you're saying, unless it's like legitimately like you're gonna hurt somebody or you're gonna hurt some, you know, like unless you're doing hurtful, harmful things, I'm still going to be with you. Um, that changes people. It, it is a slow process. It takes time and it is called unconditional positive regard and it works. Yeah. Um, you know, well, and there's, you know, there's a context to those relationships too. I think as you talk about that, I think that would best be done in person or over the telephone, yeah. you know, the, the, if you see something like that, it's not something done on a wall or even in a, in a message or a text message. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think I, I'll wrap up with this. And then if you have any closing thoughts, go for it. Um, as we talk about, you know, I'm going to keep using Facebook. I've used it for a long time. Uh, frankly, I probably wouldn't have gotten a book contract without uh, sure. 
without Facebook, right? And and so yeah, yeah. you know, it can it can certainly be used to influence people for good and and used for kingdom reasons. But in, in that process, I've certainly also hurt a lot of people or enough people and I've tried to blog in a way where I am in that sort of middle ground. Uh, I don't know what you'd call it. Uh, the things I, I blog about controversial things. And I'm going to talk to Preston about that because he writes books about very controversial things. But I mean, I blog about, uh, and, and for years I have been, before these things were trendy, L, uh, LGBTQ stuff and racial stuff. And when I used to blog about racial stuff, I'd get blasted on social media about from white Christians. And and um, anyway, just, just you, you, I wrote some blogs that were, I wrote one particular that the headline, it was, uh, it was sensationalist sounding. It oh, was yeah. a, it was like sure. a pro, it was a pro black, pro black lives uh, post about one of the, mm-hmm. one of the deaths that had happened uh, where uh, this was several years ago. And uh, someone uh, messaged me, their father is a police officer. And they just said, they're Christian. I've known him a long time. And they said, your post makes it sound like all cops are murderers. And the prideful part of me inside was like, you're wrong. You're an idiot. But I looked at the post and thought, <laughs> you're right. Like, it, that oh, does make it. it sound. And I know <laughs> I know her dad. And he's a super yeah. cool guy, right? And when you right. actually – and we can't get into this. We're running out of time. But, like, we just talked about this recently, Patrick. We're like, if I don't know any police officers, it's a lot easier to say they're all a bunch of dirtbags. And if I don't yep. – know any black people or gay people or whatever it might be it's just it's just so much easier to say what what the news media outlet told me to say about them or my church or you know tribe or or whatever told me to say and to think anyway so my my point to all this is i've come up with and i'll close with this for listeners i've just come up with some ground rules and i'm still developing these (laughs) you people Mm -hmm. can help help me develop them but just ground rules when i use facebook i mean i mean very fresh like as of a couple weeks ago fixed some things where I'm not anymore going to post publicly on someone's wall to confront them on something. If yeah. I, if it's a Christian that I'm in community with and I feel like it's some my responsibility to correct them on something very racist that they said, I think it's okay for me to feel that, but I'm not going to post it anymore. I'm going to call them or I'm going to meet up in person with them and have a, a conversation like I, because I'm their friend. Uh, if I feel led to have that conversation. So that's one thing. Uh, and, and I think it's important for people to come up with certain ground rules. That's what I was hearing when you were talking about measure the time you spend on it. Set a ground rule like you yeah. would for your kids. I'm going to spend 20 minutes a day on Facebook and that's it. And I'm legitimately going to time it. And just just ground rules like that, I think you might feel led to say, I'm not going to post about politics. I know some people that do that. I'm just not going to go there. I have another one. When I get the comment, I get them frequently. The comments are are this long. They're they're a foot and a half long. Uh, I I don't read those. I just I just hide them. I just no offense. I hide them. So you still think it's there and nobody else can see it. I, I'll get messages sent to me. The same thing. They're just a mile long. And yeah. I I used to try to help that person in dialogue with them. It's people I don't really know that well, or it's somebody that's just really stuck. Um, there's a Bible verse where Jesus says, "Don't throw your your pearls before swine." And uh, I, I understand that to mean, you know, there's just going to be people that don't get it and don't, don't waste your time on those. You, yeah. you, your, your time is too precious to, to go down a rabbit hole with sometimes a troll uh, who yeah. just wants to rile you up. It's better to hide them. Uh, you don't have to follow up with all these things. So just yeah. don't, well, don't take. Sometimes two people aren't ready 
Oh yeah. You know? Oh right. Like like people are always in constant development, and like sometimes you can post a thing, and the reality is somebody's just not ready to hear it. And particularly if you barely know the person, all right, that's like, you don't, you don't need to talk to them at all. You just like, just, just call it good. Just write something nice to them, like throw them off or just don't just ignore it. But, um, and, but again, and I, and I'll close with this. I I know people, I have a, they have family dynamics, you know, and, and, and they're, uh, like families are literally breaking down because of stuff being Hmm. written to each other on Facebook. That's not worth it. Like, don't, don't do that with your, so so I would say that the type of relationship does matter. So those are some ground rules I throw out. I challenge listeners, as you say, for them to pay attention, I would challenge listeners to come up with some ground rules. If you're in a a church, small group, uh, talk about this with your church, small group, and, and maybe come up with some ground rules together in community and you can even hold each other accountable uh, to them. I think all that's really good and healthy. So Patrick, any, uh, closing thoughts for you before we wrap up? Uh, no, I, yeah, spend, spend time paying attention. That's it. Um, observe your own behavior. So observe your behavior. Uh, how much time do you spend doing this thing? Cause I did until I honestly started thinking about it and calculating it. It, it, it was surprising to me how much time, uh, pay attention to, what are you doing when you're on there, right? What are you posting? How are you interacting with it? Because the reality is it wants you. It is designed to get you. It is designed to get you to post your information. It is designed to have you there as much as possible. Um, it's not as much a choice as we think it is. Um, so pay attention. With that in mind, right, like pay attention. Um, that's it, yeah. As a flip side podcast reminder, if you like this episode, please go share it on Facebook. <laughs> See what I did there? It's funny. It's a good way to. <laughs> I don't care. I really don't care if you guys delete your account. Just keep posting my blog and my, fa- and my podcast. <laughs> yeah, Noah really that. needs this. He needs all the likes. Yeah. So you can just your account uh, after you give him lots of likes. Ha- have that be your ground rule. You're just going to use Facebook for that. That's fine. That's fine. We Don't listen to anything my brother just said. He doesn't know what he's talking about. No, I don't. All right, Patrick. Thanks for hanging out with us on the flip side. It was fun. It was a good time. Thanks for having me. All right, all right. So, hope you learned a ton from that. I know my podcast will die now because all of you just went and deleted your Facebook account, and there will be no one to you know reshare these links. So, thanks a lot to Patrick for that. But in all seriousness, I hope that was super helpful. We're going to continue that conversation with Preston Sprinkle next episode. Uh, We won't specifically be talking about Facebook and social media, but we will be talking, actually, we'll be talking a lot about social media and how to, how to talk on social media as a, as a believer. I think it's super important and particularly the year 2020 seems like a very important year to be talking about how we talk, right? To be talking about how we talk as, as Christians. So, and in typical flip side fashion, I'm giving you another just incredibly rich by that i mean long episode so hope you hope you enjoy 
Someday I may do more episodes and do them shorter. But for now, this is this is like a month's worth. You're stocking up. You're 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 it's like canned goods, beef jerky, you're stocking up for the the apocalypse. That that's what I'm giving you right now. That should be that should be the new f- catchphrase of the Flipside podcast. Stocking up for the apocalypse with really long, really long episodes. So, without further ado, I know it's the moment you've all been waiting for. You've been waiting all of June for this. You you listened last episode for the sole purpose of hearing Noah's rant. You didn't get Noah's rant. I know. I got all the hate mail from you. I still love you, though. Thanks for hanging in there. Without further ado, the one, the only, Noah's rant. Noah's rant. All right. So a couple weeks ago, June 19th, was my wife and I's anniversary. Yeah, 16 years. Pretty awesome. Congratulations to us. And we're kind of coming out of a, of a quarantine. We're, we're still in a pandemic. And we have three little kids. And, you know, we haven't gone on even on a normal date in three months or something like that. And so, uh, my we we were able to work it out where where my mother in law was able to come over and watch our kids and and we went out to lunch just lunch you know anniversary we had we had an opening for for when we could kind of work all this out and and we went out to lunch and we're new and in, in the area we live in Middleville now as I've talked about and so we found a Mexican restaurant in, a, in the next town over and. I, I love Mexican food, and the beginning of this rant is actually a positive. It's an an, it's an anti rant that will then lead me into my rant. So so we 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 sat down at the Mexican restaurant, and you know what I love about Mexican restaurants? I mean, what what I just absolutely love is you you sit down at the Mexican restaurant, and what happens? They bring you out chips and salsa you're like whoa why hold on hold on i didn't order this i didn't i just got here that you must be confused it must be for that table over there i didn't order this and they're like no 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 everybody gets this every everybody gets this you're like really that's cool but oh i see what you're doing tricky you you give it to everybody and then you charge them later for it, right? It's gonna be on my bill. No, I'm good. You know, I'm I like this, but I I don't wanna I don't wanna tally up my bill. I'm kind of you know on a budget and and so they say, oh no no no, it's free, it's free chips and salsa. Like what? No, are you kidding me? There's no such thing as free chips and salsa in the world. And they go, not even is it free? Guess what? It's unlimited. <laughs> yeah, no, unlimited. You're telling me if I eat all these chips and all this salsa, you're just gonna bring more chips and salsa out to me? And they're like, yeah, that's exactly what I'm telling you. You go, did I just die and go to heaven? Like, did Jesus just come back? Is this now 
the kingdom of God at hand? Like it's here and now and, and all of the forces of Satan have been conquered and, and death and Satan have been destroyed in, in the fire of hell and, and, and now we will live eternally with Jesus on the new earth? Is that w- what I'm experiencing right now? Free chips and salsa and it's unlimited. Are you serious? And they're like, yeah, I'm serious. I don't know about all the other stuff you just said, but I'm telling you right now, the chips and salsa are free and they're unlimited. And here's the deal. They're homemade. Like the salsa is delicious. It's the best salsa you ever could have. And the chips are hot there. It's this is like amazing. I never, ever, ever want to leave this place. This is the best nose rain ever. It's like super happy, right? So where's the rent? Where's the rent coming? Where's the anger coming? Where's the vitriol coming? Well, here it is. Here it is. How could you possibly, with any self-respect, be a restaurant in the United States of America knowing that every single Mexican restaurant, it's not just one, it's not just the one down the street from me in the next town over. No, 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 no. Every single Mexican restaurant when you walk in, they drop some free chips and salsa on your table, and you know that, every single one of them. So how could you possibly be another restaurant in the United States of America, a competing restaurant with these Mexican restaurants, and not serve free chips and salsa? So I, I, I walk into any other restaurant in the United States. Name your restaurant. Doesn't matter what it is, Applebee's, Cracker Barrel, whatever. I mean, you sit down and you go... Ah, okay, good. Glad I'm here. And the waitress or waiter comes out and you're like, um, where's the free chips and salsa? And then they look at you like, what? What are you talking about? Free? Yeah, yeah. I, I just I just went to a restaurant yesterday and they brought out free chips and salsa. So I just figured that's what restaurants do, right? And they look at you, are you are you crazy? And actually, we we some restaurants will say this. We we have chips and salsa. Oh, you do? Good. Bring them out. Bring them out. Bring them out from the kitchen. Come on, bring them out. Uh, we have them, but they're they're five dollars. They're on, right there on your menu. They're five dollars for 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 one. What? What? Five dollars? Are you kidding me? This, do you not know the currency of restaurants? The the currency of restaurants is that chips and salsa are free. No, no, no. You don't. Under- and I ask, oh, you're not from around here, are you? You were, did you just move here? Did, you're not used to how restaurants in the United States give you free chips and salsa when 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 you sit. And they're like, no, 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 we we've never done that here. We've never given. It's always five dollars. How can you charge me five? It's like, do you charge money for air here? Like, do am I am I getting charged per breath? Because air is free too. And uh, that's pretty much a given in the United States as well. Is that also going to be on my bill? Because uh, chips and salsa equally would would be uh, the same, the same, the same freedom, freeness of air. And they and they say no. And then other other restaurants. Here's what they do when you sit down. They, uh, they you say, "Where's the free chips and salsa?" And they they get, they say, "Oh, no, 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 we don't have that here, but we do give you." free bread and water here's your bread here's your water uh, as if as if that gets them off the hook as is that some kind of pass that they don't have free chips and salsa and you're like brett i come to your restaurant to relax and eat and you give me prison food you're like hey welcome welcome to the restaurant here's some here, here's some 
Brad, here's your water. Welcome to prison. I'm on, I'll be back later. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks for my bread and water. Meanwhile, across the street, I can see everyone through the window eating free chips and salsa. They're homemade and it's unlimited, but I'll just kind of gnaw on this bread over here. Thanks. Really good. I'm not, I'll, yeah, I'll be back. No, I won't. I'll never come back here again. So this is pretty much, this is pretty much the conclusion today. I'm never, I'm, I'm never going to any other restaurant in the world. Uh, I should in the United States besides a Mexican restaurant. So if you want to go out to eat with me, uh, we're, that's where we're going. You know, because why would you, why would you go, you go somewhere that's giving you free food. It's unlimited. It's delicious. And, and then you're going to somewhere else and they're going to charge you for it or not even, or not even have it. It doesn't make sense. In fact, there are Mexican restaurants that uh, there, there's one in Lansing and we would go and they'd actually be, they went above and beyond. You think, could life get any better? No. How could life get any better than free chips and salsa, unlimited homemade deliciousness they had a bar up like free bean dip that went along with the free chips and salsa free bean dip you'll find mexican restaurants that also it's like giving you free unlimited chips and salsa is not enough free bean dip as well and sometimes if you went at the right time they would have free ground beef out and you're like how in the world could you possibly give free nachos at your bar? This has got to be some kind of front. This can't be a real business. And <laughs> legit, at that restaurant, my wife and I, now this is, I'm cheap, okay? You're going to judge me for this. I'm cheap. Uh, but the, uh, the uh, before we had kids, I think I was even cheaper, right? We, you just, I, but we would go, <laughs> I'm trying, I'm trying to, I'm trying to make an excuse for how cheap we are, like as if what we did is unethical. We'd order, we or would go out to this place and we would order one, uh, one plate of dinner plate of tacos. And another thing about Mexican restaurants is you order like one one dinner plate of tacos, and they literally bring you five plates. <laughs> like what is? There's like, oh, here's your tacos on this plate. This this plate's free rice and beans, or the the rice and beans that come with it. This place is like it's all the lettuce and tomatoes and and guacamole and all this stuff that comes with it and they just here you just bring out all these plates you're like wow so we would split the nacho dinner which had four tacos we'd eat two tacos each and all this other stuff and then there's a free nacho bar the whole time and the whole thing was like eight bucks by the end of, by the end of it now judge me for being cheap yes all right so to disclaimer uh nose rant i love mexican restaurants i think they're incredible they're awesome. I love them. And legit, my favorite restaurants in the world. Because how how could you not love free chips and salsa? Next time you're at Applebee's, seriously, do this to your, your server. Hey, um, can you bring out those unlimited free chips and salsa? And you're like, yeah, we don't we don't do that. They're they're five dollars here. Or I think they're like <laughs> I was at a, a local place here. The chips and salsa ended up being like eight dollars <laughs> or something like that. I was like, are you kidding me? So just ask him, be like, yeah, but the Mexican restaurant across the street, just name whatever it is. Like, you know, they all have different names. So your local place, they serve chips and salsa. Do you guys do that coupon matching thing where where you match prices and that sort of thing? Because theirs are free over there. And just see what they say. See what your service says. Be like, no, they don't. Just, Could you talk to your manager about that? Could you just see if you can match prices with <laughs> <laughs> over there i love it so my rant today is against all restaurants that don't serve free chips and salsa you better start i'm not coming back
and neither are any of my listeners. Flipside Nation has been has now been informed. We have been told, and the Noah's Rand exists to make the world a better place. And by being a better place, your restaurant now will start serving free chips and salsa, or and or everybody buy stock in whatever your local Mexican restaurant is because that's where everybody's going because everybody listens to the flip side and now realizes that that is the only place you should go to get food. So there you go. That wraps up Noah's rant. I swear. You go like, why? <laughs> You're like, why do you do Noah's rant? Sometimes I think, why do I do this? Like, what other respectable pastor or author would do Noah's rant? It is... It, <laughs> I hope sometimes you think Noah's rant is funny. Sometimes I, I've listened to the podcast and think, man, is, that one was really funny. And other times I think, you sound like the biggest idiot. That's not funny at all. So I hope you get some enjoyment. Oh, I forgot my disclaimer. If you just listen to all that, I almost almost give a disclaimer that says there will be no there will be all ridiculousness from this point on and I didn't so I sincerely apologize as your brother in Christ will you forgive me that if you listen to that without my disclaimer and uh, I didn't warn you to turn it off before jumping in to to Noah's rant so I'll try, <laughs> I'll try to remember that next time oh it's a good time this is why we do the flip side podcast it's so we can do things like Noah's rant so thank you for listening. Thanks for being on this journey. It has really been an eight-year journey thus far to get to this point where, um, you know, to have this Zonervan book contract. Super excited about that. So check out noahflippiak.com to see how you can support the book effort. Subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. Stay tuned for next episode when I will be interviewing Preston Sprinkle. And yes, the Todd A. Wilson interview is still coming as promised. I will see you next time on The Flip Side. The Flip Side with Noah Filipiak is a South Francis Press production. Copyright Noah Filipiak, www.noahfilipiak.com. Theme music by Kyle Lake at K Lake Music. Use with permission. Please subscribe and leave a review on iTunes or wherever podcasts are found. Yow, yow, dripping in that gold, it don't perish. People selling fake, see the green and running belly. Taking refuge in his hand, see his poems, my living quarters. Close them when I'm finished, it's time to bring me closer. There's no purgatory, cause you're in or you're out. When you see him in the clouds, then you know it's going down. Raise them, raise them, raise them. They've been sleeping for some ages. Now all God's babies so confused by this hatred. Poor pit preachers shouldn't aim to be A-list. Money probably long, but short is with your days. Have you ever heard the Freedom, freedom, freedom coming quickly. Boss from the 
spirit Put it through the preamp and mix it like a chemist Put it in the airwaves and hoping that they hear it If there's some confusion then I hope you see him clearly Raise them, raise them, raise them They've been sleeping for some ages Now all God's babies so confused by this hatred Poor pit preachers shouldn't aim to be A-list Money probably long but sure it's with your 